0: morning it's good to see each one this morning we had a good number for Bible class appreciate that We've got a beautiful day to worship our God in heaven along with all the other great blessings that we enjoy every day if you will open your Bibles to first Samuel the 15th chapter oftentimes when we Uh, as teachers and preachers, look at a particular passage or section of scripture and we're preparing a lesson or a sermon, there are oftentimes many titles that we can give a sermon. And as we take our lesson from 1 Samuel the 15th chapter this morning, there are several that, several things that popped out at me that I could call this sermon and So I finally decided on one, not that it was any better than any other, but kind of decide so that it can have a title. But as I prepared this lesson, I thought about, is obedience important? And that's what we're going to look at this morning, is obedience important. You know, we have a tendency not to study the Old Testament as much as we do the New Testament. And we're actually robbing ourselves of just great, great material. Uh, history lessons, we find out so much in the Old Testament about how God dealt with man back in those uh, days before the cross and how man dealt with God and whether he obeyed, whether he disobeyed. There's just so many great lessons that you can get even from one chapter in the Old Testament. So I hope that we will put forth an effort in the future to study more of the Old Testament because it's great material things that we need to uh, know. And, and oftentimes, we do have people say, well, you're the people that don't believe in the Old Testament. Oh, uh, we believe in the Old Testament, okay. We just know the difference between the, the old law and the new law. But we do believe in the Old Testament because of the fact that it is God's Word. But as we look at 1 Samuel, this is going to be dealing with Samuel and Saul. Of course, Saul was the first king uh, after the period of the judges. And we can go back to the 8th chapter of this book and we can see how that the people or the children of Israel wanted a king to rule them as the nations around them had their kings. They wanted to be like those people around them. And as God tells Samuel concerning the establishment of a king, because after all, the people went to Samuel and asked for a king. And Samuel was not pleased with that, but God told Samuel that they weren't rejecting him, but they were rejecting God. And, of course, God tells Samuel to give them what they want. You know, oftentimes we, as parents, try to protect our kids from certain things, and to raise them properly, and we know what's good and what's not in most cases, because we've already been there. We've already gone through that, uh, not only in our younger lives, dealing with what uh, we have as far as ideas and wants and dislikes, and then, of course, we had to deal with our parents. and So we've been through that. And, of course, God knew the fact that it wasn't in the best interest of Israel to have a king but yet God gave in to them anyway. And sometimes we've done that with our children, knowing it's not the best thing, but maybe they can learn a lesson from it. So we've given in in different areas to teach our children lessons. Of course, Samuel, we know going back and reading uh, at the first of the book of this 1 uh, Samuel, that uh, Samuel was dedicated uh, to God by Hannah, his mother. He was in the service of God. He was serving Eli, the priest. And as Samuel grew, became a prophet of God. As any adult or teacher, so on and so forth, there are times you have to deal with things that you don't want to deal with. And Samuel was not pleased with the children of Israel, that they wanted a king like all those nations around them. But they get a king. And of course, the first king being Saul. We know that the three kings of Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon... So the king period only lasted for three kings, as far as what started out to be that period. We know there were several kings down the line, but those were the first three that started it. But we see Saul is a man of God, but he doesn't always stick with what God says. And Saul becomes bitter and so on and so forth through his dealings with uh, David and other things. But as we look at the 15th chapter here, we're going to see that Saul, although he thinks he's serving God, is not. So if you have your Bibles open, I hope you'll follow along with me as I read, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 15. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Now there is a separation of time here in this first verse and the second verse, so uh, don't need to be thrown off track because of that. Verse 2, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way which he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them uh, to lame 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. So we have the charge from God for Samuel to go and destroy the Amalekites. Now notice what he says though. He didn't just say destroy some of them or just the king. He says destroy everything. That's the command that Saul gets from God. And a lot of people would look at that and say, well, why would God do something like that? Why would He destroy young children? Why would He destroy the animals? Well, that was God's command. He wanted the pagan nations wiped completely out. And there's a history here because, as it he says here, it goes back to the time that the children of Israel came out of Egypt. But nonetheless, here we have Saul being told what he has to do. Now, we know that as as children growing up, our parents would tell us to do things, and there were times that we didn't quite do them the way that they told us to do them. I don't know how many times I've gotten in trouble for that. Saul is preparing to go into battle. As we see, the number of people that he... uh, employs here in order to go into battle. Verse 5, And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get ye down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Now we can look at this a little closer, and we can see that first of all, the charge was to destroy the Amalekites. Not the Kenites. Well, Saul here tells them to depart because if they don't, they're going to be in trouble, just like the Amalekites. Verse seven. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul said, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. You see what happened here? How it went from God's command to destroy everything, to Saul's decision to destroy part of it. Then, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. How many times have we cried for the sins of our families and friends? We know that a loved one is not living according to God's word, and our prayers go out every day and every night for that person. To return unto God. Sad situation, but it happens way too often. And when Samuel rose up early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about, and passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be, the, blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord." Notice that statement. Notice what Saul says. What did he say that he did? He says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Was that the case? We'll read on. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? So what Samuel, do, Samuel hears the sheep. The commandment was to destroy them all. And, and here Saul says, I have, I have done the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel says, well then why am I hearing this livestock? Why am I hearing these animals? If you did what God said to do, why am I hearing what I'm hearing? And Saul said, they have brought them from, Amal- uh, from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Did you catch that? Did Saul accept the responsibility of what happened? He shifted it to the people. Now here's Saul the king. He has power. He's the one in charge. He's the one to say yea and nay and whatever. But he says the people. He is not wanting to accept the responsibility. He says, the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen. Why? To sacrifice unto the Lord. Now, is that why they did it? Now, that's why Saul said they did it. But Saul puts the blame on them. And it almost, he sounds so familiar with the reasoning, All it's, it's really like Saul wanted to save everything and sacrifice it to the Lord. But... Nevertheless, Saul shifts the blame to the people. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. In other words, when you were a nobody, basically, when you were little, in other words, in the sight of man, who made you king over Israel? It was God. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. Now we can learn some lessons here as far as obedience. To do o- disobedience is evil in the sight of God. When God is not followed by a person, that is sin. That is evil. And we see the world is basically in that situation, whether they're religious people or not. By doing disobedience to God, it is evil. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of uh, Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He says it again. He says... I obeyed the command of God. Is that true? Now, this is the second time that he has told Samuel that he obeyed God. Once again, he's going to blame it on the people. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Now, God's command was to destroy everything. Saul changed that. How often does that happen in our world today when it comes to God's Word? Because people don't like something. Or they like something and they want to add it. This is just one chapter out of God's Word that talks about obedience and disobedience. And yet people feel they have the freedom to change God's Word as they like. Verse 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. In other words, Samuel is putting the question to Saul, Is it better to obey God or to offer sacrifices? Now we know that the offering of sacrifices was part of the law of Moses. That God had commanded them to do. But what's more important, and of course we we see the, uh, the obedience in following the law, but some people think that what they do or what they offer up to God is more important than really what His Word says. And basically that's what Saul did. He thought that he could do What he wanted to keep the best of everything and offer it to God, and that would please God. It didn't matter that God had commanded him to destroy everything. Saul was making his decisions based on what he thought was good, was right, rather than going by what God had told him. I mean, how much plainer could it get than a prophet of God giving him a simple commandment as destroy everything. But here Samuel puts the question to him, which is better? Would it have been better for you, Saul, to obey God in destroying everything, or is it going to be better for you now that you brought, disobeyed God, brought these animals, now you're going to sacrifice to God in error? He says, "...for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king." Not only in this verse do we see the fact of what sin is, what rebellion is, how bad it is to God, but we see the consequences of sin. We see the consequences of disobedience. Here God is going to take the kingdom from Saul. Because Saul quit following God. Now what Saul was thinking exactly, we're not, we're not 100% sure, but we do know what he did and didn't do according to the Word. But here, God rejects Saul. You know, that's a terrible thing to be rejected by God. Especially if you believe in God and you are following God. Is that not going to be a problem at the day of judgment? Religious people, and as Jesus said in Matthew 7, to 23, talking about not everyone saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. How many people are going to get to judgment day knowing that they had in their life determined to follow God and then realize that they didn't follow God correctly? Now, as Jim has said, talking about those that think law and love... Are mutually exclusive. In other words, it's better to love than to follow the commandments of God. Are we not seeing that in our society today? Especially with the homosexual situation where we're supposed to be showing love rather than judging, as they put it. God is more interested in love than people following His Word. They've even gone to the point of saying that we've changed God's Word to show that God hates homosexuality. But here we have the situation of Saul paying the price for disobedience to God. Verse 24, And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, he shifts a little bit more. Now he's saying he let them do what they did because he was fearful of the people. Well, that within itself may be a disqualification to being a leader. If you let the people dictate what you want. As in this situation, a kingdom, the king was over everybody. And especially when the king is supposed to be following God. He forgot he had God on his side. Are the people more powerful than God? Is God going to reject him for following His commandments? Absolutely not. God will not reject us for following His commandments. So, Saul admits to Samuel that he has sinned by not following God. He says, Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. Now Samuel is not pleased with Saul. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. So Samuel is not going along with Saul. Samuel, being a prophet of God, knows where he needs to be. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and rent it. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And that would have been David. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I have sinned, yet... Honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord thy God. Well, we give Saul credit for wanting to turn around and worship God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel uh, then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. In other words, Agag is saying, okay, surely the anger and all, that's behind us now, right? Uh, We're good? We're okay? Well, unfortunately for Agag, that wasn't the, the situation. And Samuel said, as thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. And that's not a very pleasant scene. But yet, Samuel had to do what Saul didn't do. Samuel was willing to follow God when Saul wasn't. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of, of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now remember, Samuel is the one that anointed Saul king. He cared for Saul. And what Saul did not only hurt God, but it hurt Samuel. But here we have the king doing what he chose to do rather than what God told him to do. We have that in our world today. We have that in the church today where our brethren have turned away from God's Word and are doing their own thing. Although Saul paid for his sins at the time, remember, the the kingdom was taken away from him, and we can pay for our sins in this life too in different ways. Although we know that there will be a judgment day where everyone will be given account of their sins account of their lives, all that they've done, good or bad. And then there will be a separation, those who go into eternal life in heaven and those who will spend eternity in hell. But many people today think they're doing God's will. Many of them are sincere. I don't have any doubt in that. I believe that most of them believe what they believe. But sincerity is not the key to getting into heaven, although a person must be sincere in, in what they do in serving God. But we're told of a principle in Scripture. You do err not knowing the Scriptures. Another verse. Continually studying, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. How many people are in that situation? People who dedicate their whole lives to studying the Word of God, yet never come to a knowledge of the truth. That is hard to understand but it happens. But how important is obedience? Well, we can see in Saul's case it's very important. I don't think Samuel wanted to do what Saul didn't do. I don't think he necess- I don't see how anybody would really want to kill another person. But yet Samuel was following the word of God. And too many people today want a religion of convenience. They want things easy. They want things to fit their likes. And we live in such a world of entertainment that people want entertainment out of religion. They want everything to be a full-time party, at least a party atmosphere, to where everything is just great, no sadness, no guilt, A lot of people say, well, I quit going there because all they do is preach fire and brimstone. I don't like when they yell. I don't like when they speak sternly. It's those who want their ears tickled. Most of the world will be lost, or most of humanity, because they have chosen not to follow God. Or they have chosen to follow God, but they're doing it incorrectly. We are commanded to follow God, follow Him according to His Word. And yes, sincerity means a lot when you make that decision to serve God from the heart. That's important. We should not look down on anybody who has a true heart and wants to serve God from a true heart. But, it goes farther than that. There has to be obedience to God's Word or a person cannot be saved. It is sad the different ideas about religion, about salvation, about the afterlife, that are not in harmony with God's Word. Because if a person does not understand God's Word and believe God's Word, they're not going to obey it, correctly at least. Saul had the opportunity to obey correctly and he rejected it. And it cost him his kingdom. People reject God today and it will cost them their souls. Sad situation. But God tells us how that we can have eternal salvation where we don't lose our souls. He has pointed out that our faith has to be up to God's acceptance, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So what about our faith? Where does our faith begin? It begins by knowing God's Word, starting to learn God's Word. And from that point, as we study, and, and this is what we do in helping people to know the truth, we tell them about Jesus. Many people know about Jesus, but they don't know about Jesus. They know of Jesus, as we might say. But we're to help them to know that Jesus is the Son of God because it takes belief. Not just belief that Jesus is a person or that He was a great prophet. We must believe that He is the Son of God. And upon that belief, be willing to change our lives. Repentance. Some people think repentance is just saying, I'm sorry. Well, that's a beginning. But saying, I'm sorry, is not repentance. Repentance means changing person is going to change their life and follow God that's not to say that a person is necessarily bad it could be a person who has good morals who is friendly who helps others but if you're not following God according to his word you're not following God and that's what repentance means we have to change and follow God and then be willing to confess Christ as the Lord and Savior and then be baptized for the mission of our sins that's what God has commanded. Many people will change that. Many people say, well, you don't have to repent. Just believe in God. Continue the way you live. Or you don't have to be baptized because all you need to do is say, uh, believe that God sent Jesus to die for our sins and you're okay. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. Many will follow the path of Saul, unfortunately, in that. And then, of course, live faithfully all the days of our lives. As a child of God, there are times that we may sin publicly and might need to be uh, confessed in a public way, but if we go into 1 John and we look, we can see that God planned for Christians to sin in the sense that He provided a way to be forgiven. When you look at 1 John, first chapter verses 7 through 9, you see how that we're cleansed by the blood of Christ, but if we sin, there is a way to get back with God. As we talked about this morning a little bit, reconcile unto God. Because if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So God has provided a way for us, His children, to get our lives right again with Him. If you're in that situation this morning, or if you need to obey the gospel for the first time, give it great consideration because that's what God has commanded us to do. We pray this will come as we stand and sing.